Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 231 of Yoga Land. Today, Jason and I interview friends of ours, Archna and Deepak Mohan. So it's kind of a special episode. It's like a it's like a double date that you get to go along on with us. Archna was a 200, a 300 hour, sorry, teacher trainee of Jason's in London. And I got to meet her a few years ago when he was when she was doing her training there with him. And she let me know that she had just started a podcast with her husband called Yoga Chai and a Dog. And I encourage you to go check out their podcast. It's really sweet. And she let me know that the podcast was her talking to her husband who considers himself to be a non-yogi and that they just kind of have a conversation like they would over a cup of chai. And it's called Yoga Chai and a Dog because they have a lovely dog. Well, you'll hear they have two dogs now. So I was really interested and curious to hear their podcast. And I went home and listened to it. And I let her know that I wanted to talk to them. And of course, Jason did too, because Archna has been one of his students. So Archna is obviously, she's a yoga teacher in her own right. And she also has an extensive background in the fitness industry and has been a fitness coach. These days, you can find her online. I will link to her website on the show notes page, but it's archnamohan.co.uk. And she offers a variety of different services, including nutrition coaching, relationship coaching, food planning, healthy living, as well as yoga. So I know you will enjoy this interview as we did. I can't wait to see them again in person when we can all travel. All right. Well, hello, Archna and Deepak. It's so nice to talk to you again today. Same yeah, Same Andrea yeah. and Jason. Thanks for being here. We have so many similarities as couples, I think. From the last time we spoke, we sorted out a lot of similarities, and I'd love to talk about some of them. One of them has to do, I think, with the founding of your, your podcast, Yoga Chai and a Dog, which is that you complement each other really well. So I would just love to start by asking, what made you come together and do this podcast together? I think because uh, we both are, uh, you know, everyone is very different. And as a, as a couple, we are very different. You know, our uh, interest and the way we do things are very different. So uh, as the kids are now in, my son is in uni, my, he is in a job. My daughter was that time in uni and we had some time where we could do something which can bring us together in a way, like uh, more in an intellectual way rather than just like a couple. So, yeah. So I think, and it was his idea. So, and he said that, you know, whenever you talk about, because my background is coaching too. So when I coach people or when I say about yoga now, because I do yoga a lot, so I introduce yoga, said that it doesn't make any sense to me as a layman why people would start doing this. So uh, he said that, why why don't we do this yoga chayana dog, yeah? My version is slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as Archana said, like... Since our marriage, we haven't done anything together. I mean, as you know, as in a project, yeah. And simply because, you know, her likes and her focus is very different to mine. And I always wanted to do something. Well, um, sorry, it's not correct. We did a project together, which was years ago where 
she writes daily and I take photos. So I said, why don't we do a, a book which has got your writing and my photo? We did it. We put it on Amazon. I think it has made five or six sales in the last five years. <laughs> one a year. That's not, that's better. That's more than none, none a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I got hooked to podcast a couple of years ago and I always thought I want to do this. But I'm a business designer and I really don't know if anybody is interested in the topic of business design. It's drab. It's dull. Yeah. Uh, and so I asked her, I said, hey, how about a podcast on yoga? And she said, OK, let's give it a try. And we thought, fine, we'll do a couple of, you know, takes and see how it goes. We did the first take. My daughter was there at our home and she was in the other room and she said, wow, you guys are natural. And we also realized that I was expecting that we would need to do a lot of cuts and retakes or whatever, but we just did it in one flow. Mm-hmm. And we thought, yeah, mm, here is something we can come together. And <laughs> yoga chaya and the dog was born. So I have a quick question, which is, and this is kind of more towards Deepak, which is, was this a bit of you being genuinely curious about learning more and engaging on the topic of yoga? Or was it more about facilitating Archana's journey and you being there as a husband and a supporter or both? So it was not my curiosity. And Jason, you know, we we come from India. So we grow up with yoga as a way of life. We don't even know about yoga before we actually do yoga or we live yoga in one sure. way or another. So Sometimes I would overhear her conversation with her clients, some some other people. And something that I always believe in, and not because she's my wife, but as a person, I believe that she has a lot to offer. And I thought that, you know, this is where, you know, my interest in podcasting as a tool and her knowledge of yoga is going to come together. And hence... In this yoga chai and a dog, if you look at the bio of uh, of this bio, of this podcast, it said conversations between a non-yogi and a yogi. Yeah, mm. I'm a non-yogi. I know as much about yoga as what I've brought, what I've been brought up with, and also by overhearing her conversation, some of the podcasts she listens to, some of the you know the, the classes she at she attends, and so on and so forth. And I have a couple of questions. And if I, living with her, have a couple of questions, I'm sure people who do not have access to her like I do, they would have a lot more questions. Yeah. So I always come from the view of my listeners to say and ask probably stupid questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but try to try to get her perspective on that. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes. The way you talk about growing up with yoga, but not necessarily calling yourself a yogi. I'm wondering, it just made me think of a parallel that people in the States might relate to, which is I grew up with a lot of Jewish kids in my neighborhood and my school. And so they were culturally very Jewish, right? And they just were brought up with like a certain set of values and even a certain set of traditions, but they didn't necessarily adhere to all of the really traditional religious aspects of Judaism. Is it, does that seem like that might be a parallel to 
being surrounded by yoga and having it influence the way you're raised, but not necessarily being like, yeah, I'm, I'm a yogi. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, a few years back, I did a course with Sally Campton and I did her meditation thing and she was talking about, you know, how in this rise of science and technology and everything, how she has found in Indian culture when she was in India, that uh, doctors also sometimes when you are going to doctors, so it, they just don't prescribe the medicine. Sometimes they would say, oh, do you pray? Yeah. So start praying. You know, so she said that this was something like it's nothing is separate so everything comes together. And she said it was so, as a Westerner, I was very amazed to see that. So when I moved here and I started and I had conversation with a lot of people and I suddenly realized that uh, I would definitely say that my first teacher was my mom because mm. her philosophy and still at this time when she talks, she doesn't know. I sometimes think she would never call her yogi actually. But what she does as as her beyond the yoga mat is something which is very, and I think everywhere here also a lot of time when I meet some people and they have never done yoga, but the way they are living their life, uh, it's it's just not like, maybe they don't know about yoga, but, but you know, it's, it's, yoga is much more than that. And when people understand that it's not just doing the asana practice or something, it's the philosophy to live how you live. Yeah. Yeah. And, and culture is something that you not wear on your sleeves. Yeah. yeah. Culture is something that that's inbuilt in you and howsoever you try to denounce it it still perpetuates in you, in some corner of your body. So, you know, so the symbolism, you know, the words people that use in India, uh, you know, the things they do, daily rituals that they do, uh, they're all yogic. And I know it now because now I, now I know it from her, but you never thought any second about it because it came as a second nature to you. So Archana, at what phase in your life did you start practicing asana? And how was that asana practice a component of your broader enculturation and, and practice of yoga? Uh, when, I, uh, when I started, when uh, I was an aerobic instructor, I started my career as aerobic instructor, and then I did personal training. And uh, I started lifting a lot of weights. And suddenly I find that, you know, some days when I am lifting weight, I, I, I really found myself very sore. And so I knew some of the asana and, and sun salutation. And so I designed my program like this, where I have every time when I'm going to gym, so I have some like stretching, myofascial release and everything. Then I used to lift weight. And after that, I started doing my uh, yoga. And, and then the, this is called, you know, I did my three year as a Czech practitioner. So, and uh, in that, they, there was a course where they talked about chakra system and they call it zone in, zone in exercise. So uh, when I looked at zone in exercise, so it, though it was a strength training, but zone in exercise was everything about yoga, actually. All the thing was about, a lot of thing was about yoga. And I thought, okay, so this is zone in what they call, but this is actually yoga asana. So 10, 12 years now, 
I have been doing yoga, so yeah. But then I become really good in whatever I was learning on my own. But then I thought if I need to teach, I need to get a qualification. So then I approached someone and that time I was not looking for a lot of physical work because my physical need was met by my exercise routine and whatever I was doing. But then I was looking for something more spiritual and philosophical. So there is a teacher here, Debbie. So I did my first 200 hours with her. So And that was really good because I really liked uh, how she taught about the stuff. And she has lived in India for almost 20, 30 years. And she came back here and then she started teaching and everything. So, yeah, so that's how I started yoga. And let me give you an observer's perspective. When she started as an aerobic instructor, then she became a personal trainer. She used to lift weight. Then she took up a challenge with a precision nutrition institute. Yeah, Mm. Where for one year, she had to be extremely controlled about what she needs to eat and all that. She comes from a vegetarian family. I love meat. Yeah. And after after our marriage, she, she decided to also try meat. And she used to eat meat. And when she was doing undergoing her personal training, as well as most importantly, the precision nutrition, she was devouring meat because you need to, she needed to build those protein and everything. But you could see she was not there. Yeah, actually, I I did my, uh, you know, I really built my muscles and I lifted a lot of weight, everything. Uh, when there was the final photo shoot, so I was on the final photo shoot and everyone complimented after that photo shoot that, oh, you look absolutely amazing. I didn't find myself happy seeing those pictures. I lost weight. I had big definition in my abs and everything. And I just thought that, uh, where am I going? You know, I'm just really one after another. I, I, I did three years of practitioner course. Then I did check holistic lifestyle coach and with the holistic lifestyle coach something clicked inside me that you know I have to look at the body as a holistic way just not uh, feeding it with protein uh, all the time and you know to build muscles and everything so I think that was the turning point my picture when I looked at my picture and I thought this is not Arshna you know I'm not this person because during that regime I started going to cafe or in a restaurant and I looked at people and in my mind I always used to judge them that uh, oh why they are eating you know this cake why they are and I just thought no you know somewhere I was unhappy with what what I was becoming so I think that's why I uh, started uh, how I would like how I would like to put it is uh, you know when she got introduced to chakra system the light switched on and then when she moved to yoga the light came on Mm. (laughs) yeah and I've never seen her happier I mean she's like taken to yoga like a fish to the water so Deepak it sounds it sounds to me like before you started doing the podcast with Archana that you were maybe like a healthy skeptic about yoga but you don't seem so to me right now would you say that doing the podcast has helped you helped you embrace it a little more and that you might not be a non-yogi anymore? Can I add one to that, which sure. is 
because you seem like a healthy skeptic to me as well, but were there some components of yoga that you were more skeptical of and some that you were less? You know, I don't consider myself as a skeptic even before. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, to me, she needs yoga. Yeah. I perhaps don't. Uh, perhaps it's because of the fact, and I'm probably, I'm shooting myself in the foot now, but hang on, <laughs> listen to me. Uh, perhaps, I don't know, by training, I'm, I'm supposed to be very objective because if I can't bring subjectivity into my work, it's not going to work for me. Yeah. So every time, whatever something is said to me, I'm critical. I think, look at it critically. Having those conversations with Arjuna has really helped. In a way, I would still not consider that, you know, I've, I've moved. In a way, I respect yoga. I respect what yoga does to people. And believe me, I'm not as active physically as she is. You know, her she goes to gym regularly. If she doesn't go to gym, she's ready to bite off your ear, you know. <laughs> so it's always good to push her off if she doesn't feel like it. I took to exercise very late. And we have a small gym at our home. I do that since the lockdown. So since once a year, we are, we are doing it. Before that, I used to go to gym. But she didn't tell me. I asked her about some of the exercises. How do I, how do I you know, reduce my abs and all that? And she, she told me the exercises. Yeah. But I start my exercise with a with a sun salutation. Surya Namaskar. In between, I, I do uh, diaphragm breathing, which is called... Uh, what pranayama. pranayama in yoga. Yeah. Okay. Why do I do it? Well, I've seen her doing it and it works. Why not? Mm-hmm. I, I think he is just talking about the asana, but uh, living with him, I have seen him. I know you you both are into yoga, so you would understand more, but some maybe people who are not in yoga, they might find it hard, but it's my own observation and experience was that he as a person has changed a lot in understanding and and the way, you know, this is what I'm talking. It's not just about physical exercise. So people generally think that yoga is something where, you know, and and physical exercise, if you are doing it as an asana practice also, it's all the time you feel like, you know, something, you know, not just on your uh, muscles and everything but your how you are moving someday you are moving in a way because you are not so I I can see that something has changed in him and, mm-hmm. and he is more like uh, uh, I, I, I'm not getting the Tempered, word but, uh, calm. yeah yeah in, in some situation when he's dealing with his you know because of the lockdown I could hear when he talks to people in this uh, one and a half year or two years almost, uh, we are, you are working from home, yeah? So I have heard him talking in a meeting or something. Just once I have, he has raised his voice, just once. And I thought, wow. Uh, and before he used to say, oh, I had this, you know, I had a conversation. And then he would sometimes say things. And I say, why do you talk like this? You know, why do you say these things? But maybe, maybe I, I personally think that this is this is something which is like, which passes on. Mm-hmm. And same with um, my daughter. I, I'm, I no, I'm, like, I'm sure yeah. because she has changed significantly since she has started practicing mm-hmm. yoga. And when you live with her, automatically, you know, there is a mutual induction. You also, you know, 
you can't have a couple one who is extremely hyper and and the one is a couch potato yeah <laughs> yeah i i work with anodia judith uh, she works on chakra system you might know anodia yeah. judith and mm-hmm. i still remember i've done lot of her courses and what she used to say that uh, i think this was anodia judith or paul check so uh, they used to say it in chakra system that uh, as a couple you have to you have to really be just one or two chakra up or down mm. not more than that mm. so uh, when people evolve so if if a, if if a husband is evolving and, and and the wife doesn't do anything so sometimes there is difference it's it's because they they don't work in that rhythm so i i personally when i looked at it and i think that it's not only me or it's not only him i also try to push myself into something which i am not mm-hmm. <laughs> and he also tries to so and i think yoga has uh, is a medium is a very nice medium as a couple i feel to work on though he is he is not coming from that background but still i think that uh, somewhere we had come to a point where we are like really in my parlance i would call it a synthesis so there is a thesis and there is an antithesis and when they come together there is a synthesis which is a new relationship that gets built mm. mm-hmm. this actually makes me reflect on something that you said earlier which is that as a couple you wanted to have a project together and this is so interesting right because you've had a couple of projects together you've had children together <laughs> that's a right? project that's a project <laughs> You have a dog, that's a project. Probably have a mortgage, that's a project. <laughs> but I think that there is this inclination towards aversion when it comes to couples working together. And people will bring it up all the time about Andrea and I, how do you work together and so forth. And I think well one of the things is that our relationship, our work relationship precedes all other relationships. Like it was we worked together before we had a romantic relationship. But I actually think that it's been one of the strong suits of our relationship is that we have things that we do together so we don't just have coincidental interests but we have active things that we are working on whether it's the podcast whether it's the business whether it's the blog whatever it is and so long as we're clear in the relationships there i feel like that's always been something that has helped us stick together is because we have like all of these things that we are mutually engaged in regularly have you found that to be the case for you that that taking on that project of your podcast has been just something as a couple to actually do together to not just be living together but be but to be actively engaged with so yeah i would like to so when we said that we wanted to do a project so basically we wanted to do something creative where together both of us are involved in it yeah and that was and definitely it has we i mean we look forward to it and believe me our last podcast was in end of november mm-hmm. and since then it's like because we moved house and everything then we moved the house associated with that all the other things and since last almost 2 weeks we have been saying that you know uh, hey we haven't done it for a while and we need to start doing it again mm-hmm. so it's it's something that we look forward to and i and we really enjoyed that i feel that because we uh, uh, we were in uh, uh, i i just passed school when i met uh, deepak and deepak was in first year in uni so 
we were like very young when we knew each other. Yeah. So I was like not a confident person, you know. That time I was a bit confident, but yeah, yeah after after marriage I was I it took I just, me a lot of time to woo her. <laughs> she was very confident. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so where you know I always felt that his interest was very different and mine was very different but somehow my upbringing was like this I for for few years I felt like my job is to make him happy yeah so I devoted myself as a like and I had talked to all those women who does that actually and uh, because I devoted my whole time making him happy you know, this is human nature. And I just felt if I'm making him happy, he should make me happy too. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have any life. Yeah. So I, I just raised children, you know, and I was the computer programmer. I, I left my job and I just become a housewife. And I, I thought that there is, you know, there was no outlet for me. You know, I used to write still, you know, I always liked writing. So it was just my personal writing. So, but then, he was busy with his job. We had uh, we, we lived in a lot of places in India, like eight eight during that eight uh, eight places in ten years. In ten years, we lived in, wow. in eight places. I lived with his parents for a long time, and it was it was really tough. It was really tough, and I felt like I'm really lost in that process. But then, yeah, in between these two children, I lost one baby, and after that, I just felt like. Uh, you know, there was something inside me. I I just thought I'm not going to live this life like, like this. So something started changing. And since then I have been, my world is very different. So I, I made a world of my, as a home and other, other world where I was busy with my stuff, writing, doing things. And I did a lot of play. I wrote play for the children and I think this is the first time, you know, when I started writing, he said, oh, can we make a book? So that was his first offer, actually. I am seeing that the more he is engaging into my work. So this is like after 27 years of marriage. So 30 years, after 30 years of marriage, <laughs> this, this year. So after 30 years of marriage, finally, I am thinking that, you know, we had got some, you know, we are very different now, you know, what, how we were in that time. So now we are very different individually. He's very creative. I am also very creative. So now there is a ground where we have come together to do something because maybe it was the responsibility of raising the children or whatever. So it's very nice experience. When I sit with podcasts, so I would say it's like, a, it's like knowing him also in a, in a very different way. <laughs> Yeah. Before that, can I ask you guys a question? Of course. You, you, you both, you both work together. Yeah. Um, does it help both of you coming from a same similar profession as in, or having similar interest as in yoga? Does it help? Does it help think the so. work, working together? Yeah. So here's here's what I've thought for a long time is that. We both are subject matter specialists in the yeah. same subject matter, but we yeah. interface with that subject very differently, right? So we don't actually have the same job. The vast majority of what I do is create content and then teach that content. Whereas the vast majority of what Andrea does is 
story tell that content and then also write and reflect and edit and and work a little bit more in packaging i mean in I the have, packaging I have and the background. operating systems yeah so in ways andrea's does more of the operating interface and i do more of the like user experience interface right so this is a place where I don't feel like we ever step on each other's toes with regards to our own perspective or ego on something like she knows where I am the specialist and I know where she is the specialist. So I I feel like this is a really, really bizarrely unique set of attributes that we have that complement each other. I think if we were both teachers in the room, or if we were both content developers, or you know, if we were interfacing with the with yoga the exact same way, um, I think we would get over it. I think we would manage just fine. But I can see there being more, just to be honest, more ego and identity and things like that to have to manage. A long time ago, I heard a psychologist talking on TV about. It was just like some morning show or something about, you know, what makes for a successful long-term relationship. And I took away this one little nugget that I think is really helpful and applicable. And it's, it's that you have a mutual admiration for each other. And I think that because we worked together, I think we just developed like a mutual admiration for the skill set that the other person has. So I think that's what works well. I think we both have pretty strong personalities. Yeah. So if we didn't have that mutual admiration, I don't know, we might, yeah, yeah we might have more conflict, but yeah. yeah. And yeah. in our case, in our case, she is the subject matter expert. And what we have clearly defined is she's a subject matter expert and a technical expert. So her, her role in the podcast is a decide on a topic, approve a guest. Yeah, I I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who come and say, hey, we would like to come on your podcast. Yeah, but I need to run it past her. Okay, because she has got very clear views of who needs to come on the pod, on the podcast, who we want to talk, because she wants to convey a certain set of messages. Okay, and it just doesn't become a kind of a free-for-all of anybody coming and talking like that. Yeah, now... And then, of course, deliver the content, right? We started kind of, you know, talking about yoga as a way of life. So if you would have heard our podcast, we have we have spoken to people who are making a difference in their own way. Yeah, you know, yeah. we have spoken to couples who are not connected with yoga, but they went through a very trying time in their life. And how did they come together? Mm-hmm. And to me, yoga is all of that. And the self-realization, understanding your partner, and then be able to build a relationship or rebuild a life. So I want to I want to pick up on this, which is, and you know, I have had many South Asian, many Indian students as students of mine who are also teachers in their own right. And one of the things that I have been reflecting on lately, and Andrew and I were kind of talking about yesterday, is. Wondering specifically, Archana, whether or not you, because you are Indian and because you are a yoga teacher that teaches in London, who mostly teaches non-Indians, 
whether or not you internalize some feeling of additional expectation or pressure to represent yoga and the yoga tradition. Like for me, I don't at all uh, because it, because it's not, it's not of my original culture, but I'm wondering if this is something that you reflect on and have some thoughts about. I have got a few uh, of my clients who are from NHS and, you know, they deal with, uh, uh, you know, clients who are uh, emotional eating problems and everything. So when they come to me, uh, slowly I'm, I do chantings. Yeah. So um, I introduce some chanting and I, uh, nothing against anyone, but I, I love a pure pronunciation of chanting. Yeah. So, you know, like, a pure, really good chanting. Sure. So I love that uh, pronunciation. So I I work hard on that because Sanskrit is Sanskrit. I have read in school for a while, but that's it. And mm-hmm. I don't know Sanskrit that uh, better. But then I listen to chanting and I chant. So the pressure for me is because I know when I'm not saying there are a lot of words which is uh, spoken in everywhere in yoga, which is like uh, very Western. When I speak, I try not to do that because I really want to speak in a very good sunset. So uh, I, I remember I was doing a class and somebody said, I said, Shava Asan. Shava Asan. Yeah. So one of the girls, she said, I have been to so many classes, but I have never heard this term. So I said, Shava Asana. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Sometimes he would say, why do you, why do you speak like that? I said, you know, sometimes I'm just, I just think that I don't want to show that, okay, I know this, how to speak, but I just, sometimes I just want to train myself as a teacher to speak it in a right way. So, you know, like I'm not English is my, you know, our second language. Yeah. So I'm not good in English, but the thing is, if somebody is really good in English, they would love to listen something very nice. <laughs> and the, so that is how I feel like. Yeah. So, yeah, the pressure is sometime as a and people would come to me with a lot of questions, philosophical, which sometimes I don't have answer. You know, I have not read all those Vedas and everything. I have not read everything. So I honestly say, look, I I know what I know, you know, but I would try to answer that if I would come across those books or anything. So, yeah, the pressure sometimes builds up because people look at your skin and the way you speak and they think, oh, she's it, it doesn't mean that I'm I know everything about yoga. Right. <laughs> right. I think it's the other way around. In fact, a lot of uh, yoga practitioners from India not just yoga practitioners, you, you you pick up any discipline which is of Indian origin, they tend to build a mysticism, some kind of an esoteric kind of component around that, right? And I think probably that they do it as a kind of a defense mechanism because if unless I attach it closer to the divinity, people are going to tamper with it and they are going to probably, you know, kind of, you know, interpret it in their own way and to preserve its integrity, I kind of build a mysticism, esotericism, you know, divinity, Mm -hmm. don't touch it, you can only do it this way, Mm -hmm. which 
for others it it gets a bit difficult to kind of digest mm-hmm. you know unless you understand the whole culture and the and but he what he is talking no, so about I'm this, coming to uh, that yeah so basically i think probably that probably deters a lot of you know non indians to learn from an indian because they may associate mm-hmm. as indians okay if i go to a indian teacher he or she will again treat yoga in a same mystic mm-hmm. kind of a way where i am going for my for learning and sometimes when i listen to her when she when she is uh, talking to her clients and sometimes when and i know that the client is british or well non indian and i said well she is doing a lot of chanting and she is talking about a lot of chanting and she is talking about a lot of traditions and put them off but when i talk to them they say no they love it no actually those <laughs> no i don't do it with everyone because those yeah. people who are in my group this group which i talk uh, you are talking about they know me for almost like 5 6 year now mm-hmm. so they know my work so they have been doing it for a long time so i don't introduce immediately everything to a new set of clients and uh, i read a lot so i rather than uh, taking things from uh, my tradition or my my you know the the yoga stuff i what i do is i i bring the new people like barney brown elizabeth gilbert so when i talk and and then i slowly because my way is like classes is like storytelling and i just mm-hmm. move when i then so yeah i am i just open to people who know me for longer and they like my work then slowly i introduced that okay let's you know i know you are you are not going to be a yoga teacher but if you want some deeper study so we would do this yeah so let's let's talk about philosophy or so th- that sunday group is like that so yeah. that's why he is saying because i talked to them and someday he would say oh do they understand i said they love it right. and they said that these things helps them to go okay. yeah, calm down and the and the most of them are working in a very tough situation especially at this time and they said that your class brings us peace and you know they feel very calm so yeah it depends on student not to everyone mm-hmm. they are your regular students yeah what, yeah. yeah yeah and then i have another question for you that's related right which is have you ever felt a pressure like obviously the pressure wasn't too strong because you did a 300 hour training with me and i don't know if you know about this but i am not south asian <laughs> or of south asian descent but i'm wondering whether or not you ever felt a pressure as an indian student to study with either indian or non indian teachers you know what i mean like is there pressure one way or the other is there like compensate or overcompensate or is this just not really a thing for you no i think it depends on teacher because you know uh, jason i know your work for longer than you know i i i took time to get, enroll into your course but i know your work when i was in my you know when i was weightlifting also i know your work yeah so i have i have seen things what he was doing and i always thought that okay if i will be a yoga teacher i will go and have his course yeah so i i always knew that same with um, these day i am learning uh, gita and i am learning all the goddess chanting and this i am learning from a cardiologist in us and she is indian origin kavita 
Cool. Kavita Chinmay. So she she is very good with her chanting and her knowledge is exceptionally good with mm-hmm. the philosophy and everything. So definitely I'm enjoying the, and especially the Gita, what she's doing is a satsang. So it's every two weeks we have a group of students who come, uh, who uh, hear her satsang. You know, she takes one of those uh, sloka and then she describes it and everything. So I would definitely, I'm, I'm enjoying, but at the same time, I don't know whether you uh, you guys know Christopher Wallace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I love his work. I love his work. So he is not Indian, but the amount of study he has done, you know, and the amount of research he has done and his Sanskrit is so good when he speaks his Sanskrit. So it's about teacher. I don't think it's about, mm-hmm. you know, I should go to an Indian teacher or anything. Yeah. If it is good, he's good. Mm-hmm. I hope this is not insulting. This is, I call myself a yoga mutt <laughs> because I just have studied with so many different kinds of people. I think you're like a wellness mutt because you have more than just your yoga background. You have your weightlifting and then you also have like a holistic coaching pro- uh, practice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I did just- a lot of work on, so 22 years I have been working as a, I work on nutrition. So I'm a nutritional advisor and then I work on uh, this, but I I don't know. Somehow I feel like now this was my journey. I Mm. have to do everything. And now I'm going into my, you know, I really want to know Gita in and out. Yeah. So, and again, you know, Jason, with you, when we were doing this 300 hours training, and when you said, when you discuss about Gita and, I really want to convey Gita in a way. It's not a spiritual book. It's a philosophy again. It's a way of living. It's a way yeah? of life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how, and same with uh, Patanjali uh, Yoga Sutra. So, you know, that's why I like new authors also. So that when people, it should not be very heavy in the class. So if I, if I can chant a good uh, mantra, yeah. So, but at the same time, I have a quote from someone else. Who they can so there there might be people who would love that mantra, but there would be people who would understand more from a new. So that's why reading is you know I, I enjoy reading new authors and everything, and I think everyone is saying the same thing actually. That's true, but it just people hear it differently from different people. They hear yeah, it from who yeah. they need to hear you it. No, there is a guy who is like I'm doing yoga nidra with my teacher and. Uh, there is a guy called Joe something, and he talks about uh, how you could uh, meditate and see that this is what you want in your future and you can make it available. And he is he is known for his work. But what he's talking is yoga nidra. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's, he doesn't know or maybe he doesn't name it yoga nidra, but his thing is very modern. So some people are attracted to that work. That's okay. And I'm also, you know, I also read his books and everything. So this is what I think is, it's just, you know, you have to convey it in a way of what people can understand. It's really true. There's a teacher for everyone. And I remember a long time ago when I was working at Yoga Journal, um, I'm not going to name any names, but it was just someone I was working for was reviewing a book. We were in an editorial meeting and she was reviewing a book. And it was a book by a really well-known author whose people around the world love him. She, He's been on Oprah, all these things. And she kind of turned up her nose and she said, 
it's just derivative. It's just derivative of Buddhism. And I just would rather just study pure Buddhism. And I was young and impressionable enough to feel kind of like embarrassed that the, I had. The Buddha was also derivative. I know, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was young and impressionable enough to feel kind of embarrassed that I had suggested this book. And it took me many years to realize that, yeah, it's all derivative. It's, all it's derivative. like you said, it's the human experience is pretty yeah. darn universal when you look when you look at it. And um, here, you know, there is a guy called Son Quartz. He works on Buddhism. In my profession, I always tell my clients the difference between data and information. Yeah. Data is what you use, information is what you consume. Hmm. Right. And the difference between data and information is that information is a data with a context. And it is the context that makes all the difference. So she was talking about uh, yoga nidra. Yoga nidra is a data, but unless you contextualize it, yeah, people who read it, they may not appreciate it. They may not understand it even, yeah. And that becomes the responsibility of a teacher, of of an author, you know, to contextualize it for the people who are the intended audience or intended reader of that book. If you just picked up yoga from India and tried to, you know, and tried to teach it in in the US or, or UK, many would not get it. The context is different. So you need to change the context. Mm-hmm. Now, try doing that in India, try changing the context in India, people will kill you. Because you don't really need to. So there are people who try to do this, who try to recontextualize things where it is not required. And that causes a lot of tension in the society, in, in, in the reader's mind itself. Yeah. But when you take it in a different culture, you need to recontextualize it for that culture to grasp it easily. No, but I was very surprised because last time when I was in India, so I met a guy who was who had a yoga studio. So I, I always make it a point that I would go and talk to them. And also I went there and he was very knowledgeable, young guy. He was a basketball, national level basketball ball player. And he decided to be uh, yoga. So he was, he passed out from Bihar School of Yoga. So I said, can I attend some of your class? He said, oh, you know, whenever you want to come. So um, he did uh, one class which was on core training. Yeah. So it was yoga and everything. So his style was because I know a lot of things he was bring was not yoga there. So he bought some of those uh, exercise which was from somewhere, you know, like uh, strength training and also. But then how he packaged it, how he was delivering it and the class was full with people and he doesn't, I feel like this is, this is what yoga should be because, you know, things has to change. You know, you can't just keep on. So if you're talking about Gita, if you, if you can, I, I, I love Barney Brown. Yeah. And I really think she has shown how to live. Yeah. Mm. So if you can bring it, it doesn't mean that I'm disrespecting of old culture or old book or anything. So same with that class. Uh, then it, that guy, he, he, he asked me, did you like the class? I said, I absolutely loved it. And he said, did you notice that it was not all yoga? I said, absolutely. There was a lot of things which you did was not in yoga. Yeah. 
But the thing is, if I'm getting the result as a student, you know, if I'm a client and I'm taking your 10 session and I'm getting some result from your work, so, and I'm feeling good and I'm not getting injury or anything. So this is, this is what Jason also in 300 hours, we learned that, that, you know, you have to improvise it. And you always say that you have to complement your thing with uh, kettlebell or whatever, because, you know, there are a lot of things which which is not included in yoga. So, and there is nothing, but this conversation was with this guy. But then I had a conversation with another yoga teacher. And I said that uh, we need to do some other exercise. No, no, no. Yoga. I said, no, look, look, there is, there is pull up. You know, yeah. when you do pull up, there is very few things in yoga, which is pull up. Yeah. So, and uh, he said, no, 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 no. The yogi has shown this, this, and it, it was, a, but you know, I didn't get into a lot of argument with him, but yeah. what I really wanted to say that their lifestyle was different that time. You know, they don't exactly. care. You know, their environment was different. How would you not change? So that guy who who I met, whose class was full, he's doing really good in, in uh, our hometown, Patna. That guy is really doing good. I bet he is from Bihar School of Yoga. He knows sure. the philosophy. He knows everything. But he has designed it, it, and it for, a, for a more, I would say, Fit, uh, kind of, uh, fit and young people, kind of active people, and and at the at the same time he had different classes and different teachers for you know different setup also you know people who wants more philosophical work or maybe a gentle flow. So that is yoga. I think mm-hmm. everything is yoga. But if I, if you if you really say that no, you don't need to improvise it. Because she does a lot of training and she uh, she interacts with a lot of yoga teachers, so. Well, living in the same house, you can't, but overhear things. Yeah. Something that really intrigued me when she was doing the course with you, Jason, was how subtly you you kind of blended science, the knowledge of body muscles and all that into the yoga practice. I just could not, I mean, you know, you were talking about yoga, you were talking about asana, and then you were also talking about, you know, which muscles and which kind of thing and which was like, and I would be in the next room kind of, you know, trying to work and say, wow. That's why he could, <laughs> you know? that's why he could not finish his project because he was listening to you. Nice. I'll take that. Yeah. That means I'm going to have to charge you per hour for, so let me know yeah. how many hours you participated. <laughs> Um, about <laughs> how, how many 300 hours probably I'm okay. <laughs> I would be really interested. No, no. And, and the second point I want to she follows a, 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 a young chap in India on YouTube, he teaches yoga and in, when Hindi. You, in, in Hindi, Hindi. In, in, in the local language. And I often overhear, uh, you know, when she is listening to him, the way he has kind of contextualized the whole thing into a lingua franca, into a common most language. Mm. When you look at his videos, probably he uses a mobile phone. To and shoot poor it. guy, poor guy doesn't have a very good studio or anything, but he is just, he would put some break. But I, I really think his content is so, so good. 
Yeah, and he nice. Speaks in Hindi. Nobody follows him. It's Arch, no, what, you have to send me his name so that I can link to him in the show notes in case people are interested. Oh, he's so good, but he can't. I I think he just speak Hindi. Sure. So that's okay. Can, it's to be interesting to see. And there's and here. Yeah, listeners all over the world. The and you know what comes out when I'm, I'm I don't watch the video. She's probably you know uh, either in the bed next to me and she is listening and I kind of overhear or something like that. But what comes out? you know as i said in your in your class what came out was the blend that you did you know mm-hmm. yoga with you know the scientific knowledge backed by the scientific knowledge in his case it's sheer honesty mm. in the way yeah. he speaks yeah and, and, and that makes it extremely lovely you forget what he is wearing you forget yeah. you, you know, know where uh, he is doing what one, one thing which he was i don't remember one thing which he was doing he asked his mom i think to support him into that so he hangs something and he was hanging and he he gives signal to his mom his mom came and that was such a sweet video but at the same time it is so good if somebody follows you know if somebody really wants to learn things he breaks it into good and uh, his sometimes his mobile would play for whatever you know it's it's, it's absolutely amazing I I love that about modern publishing. I do. And people are so forgiving when there's like this transparent honesty behind it. You know, as a species, we are pretty judgmental, but we are also really forgiving when we sense someone is coming from a genuine and sincere, transparent place. Yeah. We need to wrap up, but I want to ask Archana how people can study with you. I, I believe you do group classes, and then you also do one-on-one as well, right? For your coaching business. Can you talk a yeah, little bit yeah. about that? I have, I have just written a small ebook on mindful living for 21 days. Great. So, and uh, uh, with that, I have done a 21 days affirmation also. Awesome. So, and people who would buy that, that's in my uh, website. So people who would buy that, they can join my group, uh, like, uh, you know, Facebook group. No. Then I think the best way to reach out to her is either her website, which is archanamohan.co.uk, and it's a mouthful, A-R-C-H-N-A-M-O-H-A-N.co.uk. I'll put it on the show notes so people can link yeah, to that. Yeah, that would be great. Or, or just give her a call or send her an email. So yeah, yeah we try our best. Well, she tries our best. Yeah, to accommodate as many people as we can. And especially over the last year, it's been really tough for most of us. Yes. And we have tried, we have tried in our own way to kind of ensure that we can take as many people as we can. And if just nothing, then just, you know, probably for a mind session of mindfulness or something like that, backed by a bit of a yoga. And that's about it. So that's beautiful. Great. Thanks so much. It's well, so good to see you both. I know. Thank and we, you. Thank you. And before you we end, I just wanted to share one good news with you guys. We have got one new family member. <gasps> a, pu- <laughs> a puppy it's family member? Yes. <laughs> I mean, of course, we knew. We knew. <laughs> so, yeah, her name is Indy and uh, she's still getting used to us. So she's a rescue dog from Portugal. So I thought oh. I'll share the news with you, knowing how much... Of a canine love we share. Yes. <laughs> is she a little? Is she a little pup? Like a um, like a small dog, or is she? She's a small dog. Yeah. 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 How yeah. is she doing? And How is she adjusting? Uh, uh, 
Well, of of course, Archana is the is the leader of the pack in this house. So yeah, or she follows Archana. She follows my daughter. She's still about one feet away from me, but it mm. started off when she was fifteen feet away. Yeah, from yeah, yeah. Me. Yeah, now she's one feet away. So every every day, I'm trying to inch closer and closer and closer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, great to connect with you guys. We so appreciate your genuineness and your your authenticity. And thanks for keep. Just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thank, thank you so thank much. You. Thank it's you. It's always a pleasure to see you. Bye. Bye-bye. Right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope if you have a podcast brewing inside of you that this episode encouraged and inspired you to do it. I can't promise that podcasting is the most lucrative choice in the world. Uh, You have to be pretty strategic about it, but it is just an incredibly fun, creative endeavor that continues to nurture my own learning and creativity. And I think it can for anyone else who is interested in that. And if you ever want me to do any information or a podcast about podcasting, let me know. I'm happy to share what I've learned over the years, but only if I get some interest in that, because I I just, I don't really have my finger on the pulse of whether that would be a great topic or not. You can find show notes, including a link to Archna's website at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 231. And I just so appreciate you for listening and for sharing episodes that you enjoy. Uh, Jason will be back soon with more on Patanjali. And in the meantime, Enjoy your practice.